0: are telling of the glory of God and the firmament proclaims God's handiwork. Day to day brings forth speech and night by night declares knowledge. There is no speech and there are no words. Their voice is not heard. Yet their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens, God set a tent over the sun, which is coming out like a bridegroom from his wedding canopy, and like a strong man who runs his course with joy. In its rising, it comes from the ends of the heavens, And its circuit goes to the ends of them. And nothing is hidden from its heat. Psalm 19, verses 1 through 6. Let's pray together. God in heaven, creator of earth and sky and planet and twinkling stars and drizzling rain, We invite you into this presence and thank you for the beauty of your earth and creation. We pray that you be with Luke this morning as he shares with us. In your holy name, amen. I want to welcome you to chapel this morning. My name is Bob Yoder. I am the campus pastor here. And I want to give a special welcome to a couple of groups of people here. Uh, we have on campus um, high school biology teachers from Mennonite high schools who are here joining us, and we also have a group of prospective students and their parents also uh, joining us on campus this day. So we want to welcome you to our campus. <laughs> this morning, we have Luke Gosho, Executive Director of Mary Lee Environmental Center, Uh, sharing with us on the regenerative stewardship of God's creation. Um, Luke and I have known each other for a little while. I knew Luke back when he was a principal at Johnstown Christian School in Western Pennsylvania, and also as a Bible teacher at Laravel Mennonite Church Center, where I had worked for several years and have grown to know Luke over the years and have very much appreciated him. Luke, thanks for sharing with us.
1: Thank you, Bob. It is a delight to be with you this morning and share in this chapel time. We have a photo up here on the screen that helps us think that we might be outside at a little different time of the year. And if we had time today, we would take a walk instead of just uh, viewing slides on the screen that represent what we can learn as we understand from creation our relationship with God. In just a couple weeks, we're going to see the spring flowers in their full glory blooming even as this uh, toothwort is seen on this slide this morning but our topic this morning deals with regenerative stewards of God's creation what does it mean for us to be in that role how do we understand that and i want to approach our conversation this morning by considering several things we're going to look at three different ways of viewing our interaction uh, with the earth what is our role what is our relationship what characterizes our interactions The first term that I want to use this morning is domination, dominion, as the term. Dominion, what does it mean to be in relationship with the earth in dominion? To understand that, I would invite you to a garden scene. Now, we can't go back to the garden of Genesis, but we're going to read from Genesis while you look at my garden just a mile down the road, how it looks in the middle of the summer. It says in Genesis 1, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply, And fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. As we look at this passage, I am drawn to some words that sometimes are seen as rather problematic, and those words stand out to us. Those two words being subdue and having dominion. Those words are often held up to Christians as an example of why we do not care for the earth. But the question I think that's important for us to consider this morning is this. Does domination mean or equal dominate? Does dominion equal domination? Well, how do we understand this word? Let's look at another place in the scripture where the same word is used in the Old Testament. So we go from Genesis 1 over to Psalm 72. And within Psalm 72, we see the description of an ideal king. As you read what the ideal king does, you discover two things in particular. One is the ideal king brings shalom. And that shalom, that peace, is brought to everyone, all within the dominion experience peace. And then secondly, you find numerous descriptions within the psalm of the flourishing of all creation, all creation within that kingdom. So here we have a little different model of what dominion might mean, not that domination, lording it over something, but rather a great caring for each part of the kingdom. Let me ask the question this way. As you look at this picture, Is that a picture of dominion or domination? I don't know how you feel about tractors and what your relationship is. I kind of enjoy tractors. Uh, Tractors can be characterized as being very strong and powerful instruments tearing up the land. But what you don't realize in this picture is that if you look beyond the edge of the tilled area, you see a wooded area and right on the other side is a swamp, a wetland. And what's happening in this picture is actually preparing a buffer strip so that the swamp has greater health. Dominion or domination? How about this scene? Is this dominion or domination? Well, I'll talk about this just a little bit later in my presentation. But here is actually an activity of land management, of caring for prairies. This looks like a rather peaceful scene of planting lupins in a woodland area. And so we would be drawn to the understanding that, oh, this must be dominion. And it certainly is, a caring for the earth. But one of the problems we encounter today in education and in many other settings is that we experience a reinforcement of unsustainable values and practices. And those are taught to us and reiterated to us within society as a whole. We are educated by and large to compete and consume rather than to care and conserve. And our themes just naturally in Western civilization are often drawn to that compete and consume factor. But when we look closely at these words in an an older dictionary, we discover that consume means to destroy by or like fire or disease. Hmm, interesting word. And then when you couple it with consumer, which we are all characterized as being, it's a person who squanders, destroys, or uses up. So is that really the term that we want to use? Well, I use the word consumer as well, but I need to recognize that the root behind this often raises some additional challenges to us. Well, let's look at another scene. This scene is actually rather close by. As I was flying in the fall with a friend, I took this picture, and actually I took the picture Uh, And in this scene is the road I drive home on every day, County Road 38 or Kircher Road, which is just to the south of us. And as you look at this picture, you see a flat landscape of prairie soil with many factories springing up. In the last 10 years, I've seen many of those be built on good farm ground. In fact, as you look at this picture, you see a field of factories supplying the food for many people in our area. In fact, you're so busy looking at the factories, did you notice the farm in that picture? There is a farm located within that picture. And two weeks ago, as I was driving home, I saw them ripping it down. And I should have stopped to take a picture. But that farm is no longer seen, as another factory is scheduled to come in This raises a challenge for us. If these factories feed many people, perhaps more people than could be fed by the ground if it were simply tilled and crops planted on it, which is the right direction? And I'm not suggesting that we answer it, but it illustrates for us this consumer challenge that's a part of our society. It also illustrates for us a question that is often posed coming from that Genesis passage And the question is, are Christians the ones who are really to blame for the ecological crisis? Are we the ones? Is it the way we live, the way we interpret the scripture, the way we say that all things are here for us to use up? We don't say it quite that way, but our lifestyles often say that. So are we to blame? That may feel a little uncomfortable. It feels uncomfortable to me. And so as I stood on Pike's Peak and took this picture in Colorado last summer, I was reflecting and thinking about what should a Christian's response be to the distress of the earth? What should our response really be? Because as you fly across the country, you see the cropland, you see the intersection of human activity. We see our urban sprawl, all of these factors having various levels of influence on our society. Well, let's go to another passage in Genesis. Look at what is said there. In fact, in this case, we are going to the second chapter of Genesis where it says the Lord God took the man and the woman and put them in the Garden of Eden to till it and to keep it. Look at those last phrases of action. Our responsibility is to, first of all, till, which means to serve the land. Rather than the land serving us, we serve the land. And secondly, the need to keep it which could also be translated to protect. We need to serve and protect the earth that God has given to us. It's a peaceful activity. That's what the king brought to the kingdom in Psalm 72. And if we look at an Anabaptist perspective, in the Confession of Faith and a Mennonite perspective, we see this statement that says, The peace God intends for humanity and creation was revealed most fully in Jesus Christ. The piece that stepped, just kind of jumped out at me as I read through this statement was that it talks about humanity and peace in Christ, and I'm used to thinking about that. I believe in that, but notice that it also says creation. The peace is not only with human beings, but it's with creation. That's an Anabaptist belief statement. That challenges us to think a little bit further and consider another term besides dominion. Let's consider the word stewardship. And what does it say for us today? I love to look at the moon. We're not at full moon right now. But as you ponder the beauty of all of that hangs out there in space, I'm drawn to reflect on a passage from 1 Corinthians chapter 4 in the first two verses where it says, Think of us in this way as servants of Christ and stewards of God's mysteries. Notice the word is plural. It's not a singular mystery of God. It's multiple mysteries. So there is the mystery of salvation, there are the mysteries of spiritual dynamics, but there's the mystery of all of what God has given to us, including creation. The passage goes on to say additionally that not only are we stewards, but we also need to be found trustworthy as stewards. So it's not just a name or a title we're given, steward, we also are to be found active and trustworthy. Okay, the spider has a home, and there we consider the word stigweird. Now, I realize you probably used that yesterday in some class in some paper, Um, and so the definition may mean something differently to you, but the reality is it is an Old English word. And we break it into its parts. We see that stig means hall or pen or house. Well, pigsty, same word. The home of a pig is that beginning word, sty, a pen. And then weird means a guard or a keeper of the house. So we bring those two thoughts together and we recognize that Stigweird really means keeper of the house. That is our current word for steward, Stigweird, the old English. So we are to be keepers of this house as stewards. I think of the web of life, and I think of the word ecology, and as I look at the word ecology, I recognize that ECO, out of the Greek now, is referring to house or household. So it's the study of the house or household. And if we are stewards that are keepers of the house, we see a great connection. If we're in environmental science, we would talk about all these interconnections that you see on the screen. We're not going to do that. Rather, I would like to consider it as if we were walking around this wetland at Mary Lee. And within a hundred yards of this wetland, I would have taken these pictures that illustrate the spring ponds that are there, full of life. The frogs are already singing in them as we speak. They hunker down in the heat of the summer and find their own kind of air conditioning. Or you can see the elusive deer there in the woods surrounding the wetland. Or you look closely and you see the very small plants, the duckweed that are present. Or you look at the large oaks that are nearby. Each of them playing a role, each creature, each an individual, each part of this created order, each in relationship with each other, each in relationship with us. No matter what the season of the year, there's life and interaction going on. So let's consider again from the Confession of Faith in a Mennonite Perspective, where it says that as stewards of God's earth, we are called to care for the earth and to bring rest and renewal to the land and everything that lives on it. Everything. So let's go back to the prairie scene at Mary Lee. There is a prairie in its health on an early July day. And about eight months later, this happened to the prairie. And so you saw that picture, the action of our participation in land management. And as the fire rages across that prairie, we discover at the end that it doesn't look much at all like it did at the beginning. But within six weeks, we see the change that occurs and the development of the beautiful bloom and the diversity that makes up a prairie. The beauty is there as we are stewards of God's creation. That's just one of many ways that we could consider our role as stewards. We can also consider it in what we call agroecology, the intersection of agriculture and ecology. How do you have healthy food systems while at the same time you have healthy ecosystems? People being fed, earth systems being healthy. Agroecology can illustrate that and help us learn. It can also be represented in the joy of discovering where your food comes from. And here you see some children in a summer program at Mary Lee enjoying turnips, rutabaga, that they have pulled from the earth. Now, I'm not so sure they liked eating them, but it was great to learn where does food come from. Our stewardship can also be demonstrated in the way we build and design buildings, as in Wreath Village, the new buildings at Mary Lee. Being responsible includes even thinking about how do we deal with renewable energy, such as in photovoltaics or wind power. So for example, in the month of February, the month that was so cold, we discovered that we were able to produce all but 4.6 kilowatt hours of our electricity, and from September 1st through February 28th, to produce in excess by 1.2 kilowatt hours. Not much, but to be able to do that within that facility. That's part of practicing stewardship. And yes, I know I like moon pictures, And yes, I know that the wind turbine doesn't run from the moon, but it does remind me of multiple systems that we need to care for and respond to and be in relationship. So why do we care about things? We call them ours. Why do we care for these pieces? Well, I think there are two main reasons why we care for things that we call ours. First of all, it's because they are given to us. The earth has been given to us. And when we receive a present, we care for it. We care for it. It's very rare to see someone receive a present and then immediately tear it up and destroy it. A model for how we should care for the earth. And secondly, we care for things because of who gave something to us. There's that respectful, caring relationship that is also critical in caring for our things. And God has given us the earth and we could go on with that illustration. But let's go to our last point this morning. Dominion gives us one model. Stewardship gives us another. Important points from each, but I propose a third, that we care for the earth, we interact with the earth out of relationship. Standing in Bear Lake on an October day, it's, morning. it's, it's fun to see the moon setting in the west, the sun rising in the east, And while standing there in the water, I reflected on this scripture passage from Colossians chapter 1, which I don't have time to read through this morning, but it's a wonderful hymn talking about God's relationship with us as people, but notice all things. Let me just highlight a couple words that have jumped out at me, and that is that God is the firstborn, Christ is the firstborn of all creation, That he created all things. Notice the all word. It's not just human beings. It's all things. It's all that has been created. It's all that holds together by him. And we also recognize that the first place is given to everything. Christ having first place. And even reconciliation is in relationship to all things. This is the model that this hymn from Colossians gives us as to how we As God also relates to all things, we need to care for the earth. And so God really does relate to everything. If God's doing that, what are we doing? We can see that beauty in the wetland, the colors, the muted tones. We can see the amazement of the bee on butterfly weed. And there we are called, I feel... To practice again from our belief system as Anabaptists that we believe that God preserves and renews what has been made. God doesn't step away and leave things to be. God instead, instead continues this interactive process of preserving and renewing, a model for us in caring for the earth too. Many times when we think about relationship with the earth, we're drawn to the beautiful scenes. And we think of mountains. This is just a little out west here. It's not in Indiana, obviously. Uh, It happens to be in the state of Washington, Mount Adams, and we're drawn to those scenes. And we think of, okay, if I'm gonna relate to the earth, that's where I can really do it. Or looking at Crater Lake in Oregon. Or last Friday, I must admit, I was looking at this scene and took this picture of the Grand Canyon. And so we see the beauty there, but relating only to these wonderful, Outstanding Places of Awe is only one place of relating. I also need to do that in the wildflowers that grow in my front lawn. I also need to do that in the frosty morning that we all enjoyed just a few weeks ago, where frost covered everything with beauty. We can see it in the morning sunlight, looking across lakes here in Indiana, and other scenes. I'm not sure what sunrise means to you. It's part of my day as I travel to Mary Lee. And as I took this picture on the way to Mary Lee, watched that sun come up, I thought about Eugene Peterson's statement uh, in his spiritual theology set of works where he says, we wake up each morning to a world we did not make. That tells us something about the relationship we should have with the earth. In Psalm 8, we also know that it says, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and stars which you have set in place, what am I that you are mindful of me, a part of your image that you care for me? That's relationship. And so we relate to all things as human beings. We need to live in peace with each other and to take care of all of creation. What are the relationships you have? We could name a whole set of them and draw pictures, which we don't have time to do this morning. But how do we relate to plants and animals, the abiotic, to God, to daily actions and to spiritual things? What is that relationship that we have? We need to draw that out and practice it. In a couple of weeks, I will see the apricot trees bloom in my orchard just a mile south of here. And I enjoy watching that action And again, I believe as we watch this created order bloom, we need to understand that our relationships need to be regenerative. Regenerative means that we look at the root of the word and that gen means life, and so our relationships need to be life-giving rather than life-taking. Developing these regenerative relationships can occur as we consider our place. A place that's important to me would be my own garden, which you've seen in a number of pictures. And so as I interact there, the regenerative acts with my garden help me value place. And so in all the seasons of the year, I can experience God and the relationship with the created order in each of those seasons, in each of those changes that occur, the delight that I can have of one of God's created beings as well. We need to be regenerative in our acts of caring for this earth. So the call for you and the call for me is to listen to this need and responsibility of caring for creation. And I believe that can grow out of our relationships. Regenerative stewardship emerges out of right relationships. And two that I will name in particular. One is that the relationship of loving God. And secondly, what I've been talking about this morning is that of loving what God loves may we be responsible in being regenerative stewards.
0: Thank you, Luke. And now, as you go from this place, may you preserve, renew, And see the good that God has loved and created. Amen. Go in peace.